blue corner, standing in at five foot nothing. From Chicago, Illinois, fighting out of the middle of fucking nowhere, Alabama, Jacob Beans. And in the red corner, standing in as high as a giraffe's ass, fighting out of Moonshine Hills, Tennessee, Cody, the mouth of the South. It's the Inside the Minds of Fighting Podcast. Tonight on Inside the Minds, we have your local ninja, Tom Schof. Tom, thank you for joining us. Oh, happy to be here, man. Thank you. All right. Hey, Tom, we was going to get started. We're, I'm going to ask a really stupid question first. I tell, I, it's, a, it's about fighting, but it's because we were talking about earlier. Um, it's MMA, not bare knuckle. Have you ever been calf kicked? Like they're talking, you know how Connor got kicked in the fight? Everybody's talking about yeah. the calf kick. Is it yeah. what? Tell me what it feels like. Like in a fight and what it does to you. It's just something stupid I want to know right off the bat. <laughs> well, I can tell you from uh I've got both sides of the story, man, because I I've used that kick for a long time. Um, that that low calf kick, it be because it's super effective, man, and it it hurts. And what it is 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 a lot of people when they when they angle their stance a certain way, they're angled off for well, for one, for their angles, for their footwork. And two, just just for their general defense, it's it's you're almost susceptible to that shot no matter what you're doing. And when you get when you get hit with that shot right below the knee, right in that calf muscle, right in that meat, it essentially, man, it just shuts your whole leg down. It just it collapses. It forces everything in your leg to just seize up. It's very similar to what happens when you get hit in your in your quad when somebody takes like a, a lot of uh, leg kicks and their their quad will seize up and refuse to to carry weight. Um, the same thing happens to your calf, just much quicker. It's a much smaller muscle. It's a much uh, much more easy to damage muscle. So you take a couple of shots on that leg, and literally your whole leg will seize up to the point where you just can't use it. You can't put weight on it. And when that happens, man, it's it's a totally different game. It's a totally different fight. And you see it happen a lot and you've seen it happen a lot. in in some of the more high level fights and the more recent fights is guys will take it, you know, two or three of those shots and it just completely changes what it is that, that they're trying to do or how it is that they're going about trying to do it. It's a devastating attack, man. And it's, it's really hard to defend uh, to be honest with you. Cause if you try to angle your foot out too far, then you're open to the inside leg kicks if you try to like catch it mid uh, mid kick or, or check it at the proper timing, um, it's really hard to, to angle your foot out and come back. Ernesto Hoost actually used to be really good at it, but but he would get swept every now and again. Anyway, moral of the story is those fucking leg kicks are devastating, man. They're terrible. And, and what it does is it just seizes your whole leg up. It prevents you from being able to really do much as far as navigation and movement is concerned. Now, I know when That's you- what I thought. <laughs> When you switch over, yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, I mean, coming from mixed martial arts background, Bellator, switching over to bare knuckle. I've, you know, I, I was at the uh, Bellator 175, that one in Chicago, and uh, just the the difference in that ring size too. I wanted to touch on that because it's, I don't know, I wrote it down somewhere like tw- something like what 22 feet in bare knuckle and 36 feet in Bellator. Like a crazy, crazy size difference of the ring. Does that change just the dynamic of the fight and how fast paced? Does that make bare knuckle even that much more fast paced than it already is? Well, yeah, you know, um, it's it's got it's got its. You know, if I was used to fighting in Bellator consistently, when like and my mentality was a monstrous you know 26 foot ring or 26 foot circle or 22 feet or however big that that uh that bellator cage is and then getting brought into a smaller cage or a smaller platform um yeah that could be a little intense or a little more it could be it could feel like it's it's forcing the action or forcing the the pace but I'm not really used to fighting on an on a on a platform that big, to be honest with you. Um, the majority of of my recent MMA fights 
and my MMA fights before I had, you know, taken this, this time off, um, have been in smaller cages. They've been in, you know, 20 foot cages, 18 foot cages, you know, things like that. Um, so to go from a, a more of a local arena and a local venue with smaller cages and then get on to the bare knuckle scene, um, which is quite literally the largest bare knuckle organization in the world. But I started with them when they were really when they were young, you know, so the shows were smaller, the venues were smaller and the platform of the cage that they use, um, the squared circle that they use, it is smaller than what you would see it in UFC or Bellator. But from somebody coming from a more of a local MMA scene where the cages that they use are smaller or somebody coming from a predominant boxing scene where, you know, they've got 20 foot rings, they, you know, which is a big ring in boxing, a 20 foot ring is a big ring in boxing, you know? So I would say that if it was, you know, to, so to bring this thing full circle and answer your question, it didn't bother me much. The, the, the cage size and the ring size to force the action didn't bother me much. Um, I, I like forced action. I liked small, a small um, ring when, when you're, when we're doing bare knuckle. And to be honest with you, man, that ring doesn't feel very small. You can get a lot of movement in there. You can get a lot of motion in there. Um, the, the biggest thing to, to, to take, the biggest change to take from the MMA scene or the boxing team to the bare knuckle scene, honestly, man, um, I think was, was the starting location. You know, in any other combat sports, you start on the other side of the oh, ring. Wow. You start on the other side of the cage, you know. <clears throat> You've got a good amount of, of footage between the two of you that you can kind of clear your space, find your range, so on and so forth. You don't have that in bare knuckle. And bare knuckle, you know, that scratch line is two feet away, two foot from the person in front of you. When you tow that line, you are literally arms reach away from that person. So I think that was the hardest thing to, 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 to come to terms with or to the hardest thing to cross over with in comparison to MMA and bare knuckle wasn't necessarily the size of the cage. It was where they start you, where the fight starts off. That was probably the difficult transition, the most difficult transition to make. Yeah. I mean, that's that, what plays, I was wondering. that plays right into your play style though. That press the fight movement brawl. You're, I mean, I'm yeah, man, I like to pressure people. fight, you know, I like to be right in people's faces and I like to strike, you know, even when you watch, you go back to my MMA fights, like I rarely shot, you know, like I would shoot if I got rocked, I would shoot if I was like legitimately hurt. But if you go through my whole career, I think out of my 15 professional MMA fights, I shot maybe four or five times. Like, I think you can count it on one hand how many times I've shot, shot on people. Now, obviously, a lot of my fights have gone to the ground. I've finished a lot of them by submission, but that's just because I know what to do when the fight hits the ground. What I prefer to do is punch people in the face. What I prefer to do is stand in front of you and throw hands. So, yeah, to start a fight right in front of somebody where, where the, the the range game has already essentially been decided, you've got a, a second to walk up and toe the line and figure out just how far you are and go. Yeah, that fits into somebody like – that fits into my game plan and somebody – with the mentality that I have really well, but then you've, and you know, you've got situations where I can't remember the guy he fought, but Yuli Diaz, you know, Yuli Diaz was fighting a, a professional boxer who was used to starting from a long range. And now he's got the fastest knockout in combat sports history at like two seconds. Cause he jumped on this guy right off the line and just nailed him, you know, um, knocked him out first, first shot he threw, you know? So it's one of those situations where, if, if you're not prepared for that, for that startup, or if you're, you're not in the mentality of, of where you're starting the fight, you can, you can really get hurt. Or like we were talking about, if you have a mentality like I have, or if fighters have the mentality of, I'm going to get on this guy as soon as fucking possible, you, you can have a really short night for some people, man. It's, it's, it, it has its pros and its cons being in that starting position. There's no doubt about it. Okay, I, I had a good question. I, as a fan, this is coming for fan. You know, you see fighters; they get mad at each other. They try to sell fights and stuff. Like a lot, a lot of times, you do they are there really beefs like before fights, or is it more? You know, you're gonna fight. Or, you know, is is there beefs like you see it all the time? Are there beefs like before fights, mm -hmm. like real beefs? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it. Uh, 
I would say it depends on the fight, you know, it depends on the fighters, but there are absolutely fights where guys just don't like each other. You know, I remember when, uh, all right, so here's a perfect example, Joey Beltran and Tony Lopez, they fought each other like six times between bare knuckle and MMA. They've legitimately fought each other a half dozen times. And those are two guys that they're, they're, content with each other they'll be cordial to each other but like i feel like at the root of it when it comes to like fighting each other like they just don't like each other you know like they're just there 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 is a a general a genuine dislike of each other in that one you prefer that me personally when it comes to fighting no man i don't really take a personal aspect to it i um I, I feel like emotions get me in trouble. Um, that's the best way that I can describe it. You know, so if like somebody's running their mouth and talking shit beforehand, well, I'll be totally honest with you, man. I've never really had it. You know, I've never really had somebody, you know, approach a fight like that. I think the biggest, how do I put this? I think the most conflict I've had between a human being before a fight was when I fought Julian Lane and we didn't really have conflict. Like he didn't show up to a couple of uh, appearances that he was supposed to show up for to, to promote the fight. And I had, you know, a little bit to say about it. I talked a little shit bit shit. And, you know, I was like, I pulled the old, you know, Nick Diaz, you know, don't be scared, homie. Like what's going on? Like, where are you at? <laughs> um, and uh, we ran into each other at the hotel and, you know, he talked a little bit of shit, you know, like, oh, you're fucking, you know, talking shit and I'm not there to defend myself, so on and so forth. We had a little bit of back and forth at the hotel and then a little bit of back and forth at weigh-ins. And I felt like that little bit of back and forth was enough to like throw me off my game plan and piss me off. You know, like I had the idea or the mentality of I was the smaller fighter. I was the faster fighter. So I needed to go out there and stick and move and so on and so forth. But when he started talking all that shit, I was like, boy, I'm going to beat your fucking ass. Like it's on now. Like I'm going to stand right in front of you and we're going to fucking get it. And that was a fucking mistake because I'm 165 pounds, 170 pounds soaking wet. And Julian Lane is not that small. So he came into that fight bigger than I did. And, uh, and he, you know, it showed, um, you know, so to, to get back to the point, I, um, I've never really had anybody talk a lot of shit or I've never had any fights get personal, um, with the exception of Julian. And it really wasn't personal. You know, we were just kind of talking shit, but it does happen. There are guys out there that do get, have serious beefs with other fighters. Um, I'm not one of them. I'm I try to be as gentlemanly as possible. Like we're going to, we're going to get in a fist fight. Like my mentality on it is I could say whatever I want and you can say whatever you want. But at the end of the day, like I'm going to fucking fight you, dude. Like, so talk that shit, like say what you want to say, please, you know, like get it out because we're going to find out on whatever the date is at no, no matter what you say, or no matter what I say, we're going to step in there and we're going to figure out who's tougher. We're going to figure out who's better. So my mentality on it is I don't think the shit talks necessary. Like either way, we're going to fight, you know, but some people, some people need it to sell fights, man, you know, or some people want to do it to sell fights and it does work. You know, it does have its benefits. Me personally, I ain't got time for that kind of shit. <laughs> I got you. I got you. That was a good one, though. That was... What about since we're talking about shit talking? What about him punching people in the fucking face? What about yeah. what about Jim Allers? Is that still? A oh, thing? bro, I could talk about Allers all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to punch Jim in his face, man. I really would. Um, but again, it, it's not like anything personal. I don't think you know. I think it's just a. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe it could be a little bit personal. Maybe there's a little bit of, of jealousy hidden in there on my end. I won't dispute that. You know, he uh, he was the go-to guy for bare knuckle, you know, at 155 pounds for a long time. Um, you know, he was the beast. He was the undefeated guy that was smashing everybody in the first and second round, so on and so forth. He fought fucking Caleb Harris, man, and I saw a lot of holes in his game. I saw a lot of flaws in his game, and I started calling him out right away. But from a uh, 
from a publicity standpoint, from a human resources standpoint, I guess, you know, there's not much sense in that fight uh, for bare knuckle because Jim's like four and one and I'm fucking one and three, you know, like I get it on paper. The fight doesn't make sense. But if you look at his fights and his destruction of people early and then his ability to wither away within a couple of rounds um, and my ability to weather storms and come on strong in later rounds. um, You know, I think that's a perfect fight to make, you know, he comes out early trying to murder people and I weather the storm and come on late trying to murder people. So from a logistics point of view, it makes sense to me, but maybe not necessarily for the company. And Jim doesn't like the fight. And I get that Jim doesn't like the fight. He said it multiple times and he's never used my name directly, but he said, you know, nobody at 55 interests him anymore. That's why he's going to 45. Um, you know, that 45 is his new home and so on and so forth, or that, you know, he fights have to make sense for him to come to 55, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, bro, like, no, like you're scared. Like there's plain and simple, like you're fucking scared. Like Caleb Harris took you five rounds and then you got fucking pummeled by Palomino, you know, like you're fucking scared. Just admit it. It's fine. It's okay. You know, you're not hurting anybody's feelings, but just say that, you know, like, don't, don't, don't play this coy role of there's nothing there that interests you bitch, please. According to you, I'm just a janitor for BKFC and, uh, And in my opinion, if I'm just a janitor who's got scrub talent, then this should be an easy win for you. That should interest you. Like, let's get it, motherfucker. Hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know, I don't think think it's it's about a fight, man. Bring the fight. That's what I'm saying. That's bare knuckles a fight. You know, it's not a. Yeah, man, one hundred percent. That's the thing. Like, that's what we. It's 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 bare knuckle fighting. Like, that's what it is. Bare knuckle fighting championship. Like, that's what they talk about all the time. Like, this is a completely different type of sport. So on and so forth. Like, I want to fight you, motherfucker. You want a paycheck? Fight me. Don't want to get an ass whooping? Yeah, then you probably shouldn't fight me. And that's fair. I respect that, honestly and truly. But like, at least give me the respect that I deserve by saying it. Like, I respect the hell out of you. By saying that, like, you're the man and, you know, you're the man to beat outside of fucking Palomino. So let's go. Let's get it. Like, give me that opportunity. If you are going to respectfully bow out, then say that, you know. Anyway, moving on. F- Jim Allers doesn't deserve any more airtime. Awesome. Awesome. I was, Jake, I'll let you go on the next one, Jake. He don't got me pumped up. I just tried to buy the pay-per-view and they had it to <laughs> <laughs> are you are you taking a little time now to recover at all or you got something in the workings what what are we uh, yeah i mean after uh after the knee injury i just uh i th- i think what happened is i just i think i overworked myself man i think that's kind of what it was was i so i had that fight with uh joe elmore back in september and uh I was trying to have a real quick turnaround and get right back into action. They asked me to come back. Mr. Three months having a quick turnaround. That's well, man, honestly, it was supposed to be like a month. So I fought, I fought Elmore on September 11th. And then they wanted me to fight again on like October 15th. And I was like, man, I just can't do it. You know, like I need time for my hands to heal up. Like it'll be three weeks before I can even punch anything, you know? Um, And I had had, so like I was in camp for Elmore and I was at work and I dropped a fucking, I essentially I dropped a saw on my leg and I, um, the footage doesn't matter, but moral of the story is I dropped a saw on my leg and I had to get a bunch of stitches And it really put a hindrance on my training camp for Elmore. So I really only had about two and a half weeks to really train and prepare for Elmore properly uh, after my leg had kind of healed up. And my leg wasn't even healed up. I went to that fight with an infection in my leg because it it doesn't matter. Moral of the story is the fight happened on September 11th and wanted me to have a quick turnaround in March or I mean uh, in September, October. I couldn't do uh, the fight in October. So I was like, all right, well, let's try in November. 
Um, so they tried to have me fight for the Toe the Lion series uh, in November. One guy accepted the fight, then backed out. Another guy accepted the fight, then backed out. And while we were in communications with uh, with BKFC, we were also in communications with um, an MMA pr- uh, promotion for a later fight. We kept getting these, you know, these kind of variances or these uh, these non confirmations about this BKFC fight. So I just said, look, like I was supposed to fight in January for this MMA fight. I haven't fought in I haven't fought MMA in three years. Maybe I shouldn't focus on bare knuckle right now. Maybe I should just take these next three, four months and really focus on getting my brain and my body back into the MMA mentality. So we pulled off of the November card uh, for bare knuckle and I spent October, November, December, and January essentially just training my ass off to fight Cody Fister. I think my body just kind of gave up, man. I put in a really long training camp. I put in a really long, um, I mean, essentially I put in a 12 week training camp and I, I put in a lot of time and energy and effort to get my body and my brain back to that MMA mentality. And quite literally my last day of training camp, my last round of training camp, and the 30 second timer had just gone off. So it was literally the last 20 seconds of training camp. I had swept uh, my coach at the time. I, he, had, he was on top. He was smashing the shit out of me the whole round. And I finally swept him. The 30 second timer went off. I finally swept him and got up to the top position. And he wrapped me up in single leg X guard, which is a position I've been in a thousand times. And for whatever reason, instead of pulling the leg to clear it, I pushed the leg for pressure. And when I pushed the leg, my knee just gave out and it just fucking popped. And it sounded like my shorts ripped. Like, honestly, like I like I heard the noise and my leg just kind of locked out and went straight. And I sat down and everybody in the room looked at me and I was looking around like, man, that sounded like my shorts ripped. But then my coach was like, was that your knee? And I was like, yeah, because I'm not wearing shorts. So uh, I'm pretty sure that was my knee. Um, but yeah, man, so I just, I kind of sat down and moved it around and it wasn't anything like it was, it didn't hurt. I wasn't in pain, anything like that. But I was like, all right, like, I'm just going to stop, you know, like I'm, I can walk, I can move, everything's fine. I'm, I'm just, but I'm going to call it a day. I went home, went to bed, woke up the next day, couldn't walk. Um, that so I had to Yeah, man, it was wild. Because it was wild. So it was like a couple, like not even a week before the fight. Yeah, man. It, so the fight was supposed to be on um, January 30th. And actually, I think it was a week exactly from the from from the fight. Because uh, I was. Yeah, it was it was the Saturday before it was like yeah. the 23rd. Yeah, we were training. It was the week. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, like I said, it was the last day of training camp. It was the week before. About it. I was like, yeah, Tom, you know, Tom's got Cody coming up, blah, blah, blah. Let's, you know, you know, come over, we're going to watch a fight. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, like that Saturday morning or whatever it was, I woke up and I saw your Facebook and I was like, wait. He, yep. Second. <laughs> like, yeah, man, it was it was trash. <laughs> but yeah. so to get back to get back to your question, um, I really think I just overworked my body. I think I just did too much. And uh so I'm taking some time right now, man. I'm, uh, I've got a lot of things. I got a lot of personal things going on right now that are kind of causing me conflict, so to speak. Um, so it's really hard for me to get back into the the proper mindset of getting in a fight. Um, on top of the fact that, you know, my knees still injured. I can move on it. I can run on it. I can train on it. Uh, but it's just incredibly weak. You know, it's, there's, there's really, there's almost no strength in it. Um, like if I were to try to deadlift, uh, I feel like my, my hamstring would blow out. Um, if I were to try to squat, you know, anything like that, like if I were to try to do sprints, like it's just not strong, there's no strength in it. So I'm giving it time for that, but also I've got personal life shit that's going on right now. So like my, my mind's just not in the whole fight game, uh, at the moment. Once I get all that shit kind of cleared up and taken care of, then I'll be right back in it. I'll be right back, you know, into, uh, into the spirit of things, so to speak. But, uh, but no, to answer your question, I don't really have anything lined up right now, man. I'm just trying to let my body heal up and, uh, you know, kind of figure out which, which direction I want to go moving forward because, uh, you know, I love fighting bare knuckle. I really do. I love, 
I love that game, but I really want to get back to MMA. Uh, I've been trying really hard to, uh, to progress my jujitsu. Um, I've been training on my jujitsu quite a bit uh, and I've elevated that game a lot. Um, so I really want to test that under, under fire, you know, and see how that plays out. But we got to, we we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. (laughs) To be honest with you, uh, what's most likely to happen is whoever's whoever calls first and says, Hey, we're interested is where I'm going to go because, well, I fight for money, you know? So <laughs> if they're going to give me a paycheck, <laughs> chances are I'm going to go fight for them. I, I got, I got to ask you, I got to ask you this though. Uh, yeah. You know, your, your mustache, man, you have the, you look like the image of the original bare knuckle guy. You look like fucking wired Wyatt or from like tombstone. Like, you know, Absolutely. you got that look yeah. like you can fucking kill anybody. Like when you, <laughs> if you, if you told the lie with me, I'm thinking, is he about to pull guns out? Like you got that right. look like you got that look. Tom, he's still new. We'll get him, we'll get him mustache mafia merch. Don't worry. Damn right. That's what we need. That's what we need. I look, I, I can't, I, that's what I told Jake. I'm gonna have to grow it out. I already got one, but I can't. It's just, it's impressive, man. It's impressive to be able to fight and have the best stash in all fighting. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you, and I do appreciate the compliment. Um, but I would have to hand that title over to probably Eddie Wineland, man, just for a couple of reasons. One, because Eddie Wineland's a bad motherfucker. And uh, if anybody's got a stellar stash and was at one point in the top five pound for pound in the world, it's not me. It's Eddie fucking Wineland, you know, so <laughs> kudos to Eddie for having the best mustache in the game and being the baddest fighting motherfucker out there. Um, but I will, I will humbly take second on that one. No doubt. Okay. About okay. It. I got you. I got you. <laughs> right now it's still, it's still in baby stash mode. Is it all, is it natural? You just curl it throughout the day or you, you put some oil. What, uh, what do I don't you- even really oil it, bro. I just pull it just like you, you know, I do. I just let mine go wild. Uh, yeah, man. And, and if I were to do that, because like because it curls up, like it would look, it looks like it would look like I've got a squirrel on face. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. But uh, you know, I brush it, and then you know, I I I pull it to the side every now and again. Um, but I don't use much wax unless it's like really looking terrible and it needs to be cleaned up. You know, um, but that's really it, man. I don't really. I try to be as, as authentic with it as possible. You know, I don't, I don't want to put a lot of waxes and a lot of nonsense in there. You know, like I don't wax the hair on my head. Why the hell would I wax the hair on my mustache? You know, that's kind of, well, I think kind of where I'm at with need, it, the uh, whole thing. You sponsor opportunity right there. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. You know, I agree. <laughs> um, I actually. Mustache. Murray's uh, palmate. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And you know, I will actually, I'll give a shout out to this, this, uh, this cat in Russia, he if anybody goes on Instagram, his his name is Borodist. It's B-O-R-O-D-I-S-T. And this guy's out of Russia and he has like a stellar program and a stellar setup. And he actually sent me a bunch of waxes and and uh supplies and stuff like that um that I was able to give out to people um, you know, that I'm friends with back here. But uh, he 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 sent me some stuff. He was he was a a, a cool guy, and I, I appreciated him for that. But um, you're right. I need somebody more full time who's gonna sign a paycheck with my name on it, so I can be like, hey, buy this wax, and your mustache will look stellar like mine. That's what we need. That's what we need. He just did the <laughs> he did the commercial right there. He just did it. We just got to yeah, buy it. I did. Yeah, and my job was awesome. Hair, right? It'll work out. Oh, it's going on. It's like. Uh, Dude, dude, no, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Awesome. Awesome, man. Awesome. <laughs> did you go to Geneva Middle School, too? Yeah. Did yeah, you- I was the one that pulled the fire alarm. Did you wrestle in middle school? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we, we had a tough wrestling program, you know, out of Geneva. And, uh, and I, to be honest with you, man, I wasn't a great wrestler. Like, I'm still not a great wrestler. Everybody knows it. Like, that. That was why the Cody Fister fight was so exciting for me because he's a solid wrestler, man. He's like a a less technical 155 pound version of Darren Elkins, you know. So that's that was a really tough fight for me to take. And I was excited for the challenge and you know, things just didn't happen. But moral of the story is I 
I was not a good wrestler growing up and I'm still not a great wrestler now, but yeah, man, we had, we had tough, we had a tough wrestling program in Geneva. It's kind of wild. I was looking at that picture. Like, man, that looks exactly like my school, my wrestling school picture. Yeah. I remember, I remember one time we were uh, during practice, we were just fighting, just straight up fighting. I mean, there was no wrestling going on at all. Yeah. Yeah. Coach gross. Yeah. And he had that stopwatch he always wore around his neck, and he ripped the stopwatch off his neck. And I could tell he was rearing up to throw it, and he rears back, cocks his arm back, goes to throw it at me. I duck down the last second, it hits the wall in a little contest gym and just goes into a million pieces, just fucking shatters. I didn't say anything. I just put my head down. I just started running. I didn't say a word. I just started running around the gym until until practice was over, and he finally told me to stop running. That's funny. I um, I got kicked off the wrestling team in eighth grade three days before. I don't know how I fucking remember this, but three days before our last tournament um, in which I, we were supposed, it was, uh, what was that? What was it? Kirkland High School that was out there uh, by Elburn. Is that what, what it was called? Caneland, Caneland, yeah. So, yeah. so it was the last tournament of the year. It was the Caneland tournament, and I was undefeated in eighth grade, man. Like seventh grade, I went one in fifteen. Eighth grade, <laughs> I was fucking undefeated. We had the last tournament of the year coming up, and I was ready to fucking smash some people. And uh, me and Coach Gross got into it because I had a, a variation on a single leg that I like to finish with, and he didn't fucking like it. And finally, like I was doing the single leg and somebody defended it. And he was like, see, Tom, see, that's why you shouldn't use that bullshit technique. I told you it was wrong. And look at you not being able to finish the technique. It's because I'm wrong, right? It's because I'm wrong. And I'm like, you are, Coach Gross. You're always wrong. And I just turned around and left. And he followed me down the hallway, cussing me out and saying all kinds of shit. And, bro, I just remember turning around and saying, you know what, Coach Gross, just because you can't get laid doesn't mean you got to take it out on us. And, bro, he's like, that's it. You're done. And fucking kicked me off the team, bro. I couldn't wrestle the fucking final uh, tournament of the year. And, like, they wouldn't even let me at the fucking practices. They wouldn't let me come to the meet. Nothing, bro. I was it must have been mad. true. It must have been true. You touched the nerve there. <laughs> Dude, I was mad, but thirteen-year-old, he was big man. <laughs> Dude, he was a big man for sure, but you can only be so big when you can't beat up on me. <laughs> can't do nothing. Yeah, but yeah, bro, Coach Gross was a piece of shit. I mean, he tried. I shouldn't say that. Like, come on, you know, this is coming from a, a you know, thir- 12, 13 year old kid at the time. You know, my memories of him where he were kind of a shitty human being, but I'm sure he's a really nice guy. I'm, I'm sure he's great sure. to his kids, I'm his family, and every fucking thing else. I'm sure, I'm sure he's great now. No, but yeah, I, re- I remember, you know, you, you were a couple of years older than me. And, you know, I was not generally the nicest person in middle school. And <laughs> a, a guy that we used to, we used to pick on on the bus and uh, his, his comeback was always like, I'm going to get my friend Tom Schoep to come whoop your ass. And I was like, Tom Schoep's not going to whoop my ass. And we got into high school and I was like, Tom Schoep's not going to whoop my ass. And everyone's like, yo, did you hear Tom Schoep almost just, he just beat the shit out of this dude in gym class. He just whooped that dude's ass. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm going to whoop my ass. <laughs> I better not say nothing. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Since then, though, <laughs> since then, it's been all you know, you got on the straight path. What I mean, your first fight was 18, 19 years old, right after high school, and been fighting, yeah, 18, since. yeah, yeah about four, four or five that. months after I turned 18. Yeah, it took a little break off, but I mean, besides that, fighting ever since, you know, yeah, yeah. Long story short, to touch on what what you were touching on a little bit, yeah, man, there was a there was a time and a period in in Tom's life when when my friends used my name like a gun, <laughs> you know, like anytime they were out doing anything, they were anywhere, they 
they were apparently under the impression that they could say whatever they wanted to say to whoever they wanted to say it to because they would pull my name like a gun and fucking pow, Tom Schoff, you better watch out. I'm friends with Tom Schoff, better watch out. <laughs> um, it was ridiculous. It was it was a thing. And I, it's comical that you bring that up. Well, when I was a freshman in high school, um, even, you know, it's like I was always small. That's the moral of the story. Like my freshman in high school, I think I was like five foot five, five foot six, if that. Um, and I was wrestling at 145 pounds. I was a small kid and I got picked on a lot. And then freshman year in high school, I got in a fight with this kid and it wasn't even really a fight. Like we were in gym class and he, you know, I was trying to be a fucking, a a baller on the basketball court. And this kid wasn't having any of it. He slapped the ball out of my hands and we both went running after it. I got to it first. He pushed me. I got pissed off, stood up, punched him in his mouth. And that was really the end of it. Well, it turns out that, you know, I I hurt this kid pretty bad. I wound up getting arrested for it, got put on probation, had to pay a lot of money, so on and so forth. Well, anyway, that that was kind of like me sitting on the 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 in the middle of two swords and I got stuck between a rock and a hard place. I was now the kid who was I was a freshman who was beating up upper class. And so I was a tough guy, but I was also the kid who just got put on probation, uh, who, who can't fight or defend himself. So for the next two years, I just got picked on and bullied relentlessly. And then the summer going into my sophomore year, my junior year, um, I just hit a growth spurt. I went from five foot six to six feet tall. I was 140 pounds. So like 180, 185 pounds. And I was done with it, man. Yeah, I was just, I wasn't having any of it anymore. And I just went on a rampage and just started beating the fuck out of every single person that had been giving me problems over the last two years. Um, And so I had developed this reputation of, you know, Tom, the kid who can fight, so on and so forth, yada, yada, yada. And I had had a lot of friends who were, well, let's be honest, ne'er-do-wells like I was, you know. And so my friends would run their mouth and talk shit, and then I would come running, you know, come running in and save the day, so on and so forth. But it all really kind of stemmed from this idea of, like, bullies. You know, I got bullied a lot. I got picked on a lot, and there was really nothing that I could do to defend myself physically because I was small or we'll say legally, because even if I did defend myself physically, something would have happened legally. Well, it got to the point where the legality of the situation didn't matter. I was now just as big as everybody else. So I was coming after these guys, you know, I was coming for them. And, but but it was guys who bullied me, you know, it was guys who had picked on me in the past. It was guys who had the reputation of picking on people that were smaller than them. And I used, I was one of those people. So I made it a mission to go fucking pick on people who were, who were now, who used to be bigger than me, but were now my size. And well, it turned into a bad habit, man, because I got arrested a bunch. You know, I got, I had to do a lot of things that I didn't want to do, legally speaking, but you know it kind of it kind of shaped me into we'll say the human being that I am today. I've got this this strong firm grounded sense of right and wrong when it comes to you know it, picking on people and just being rude and being mean and you know I have a very I have a very strong emotional attachment towards making sure that everybody's voice is heard and everybody's opinion is heard. And it got me into the career that I was, that I, that I'm in, because, you know, like I said, it got me into a lot of legal issues. It got me into a lot of problems uh, growing up. And eventually my mom was just sick of it. Like I got kicked out of all the schools that I was into, um, got to the point where I was, you know, I literally just had to get my GED because like none of the schools would bit me because I was just getting in fights with people. Um, And my mom told me, she's like, look, like if fighting's what you like and fighting's what you want to do, you know, do it, but do it constructively, you know, do it, do it in a means where you can get paid for or be productive, you know, be a coach, be a personal trainer, so on and so forth. And that was really what started my my MMA career. Uh, I started training just before I turned 18. And I had my first fight, I turned uh, 18 in January, and I had my first fight in May, you know, so I think I started training in like, November, October, November. And, uh, you know, six, seven months later, I started. Um, And like you said, I had a I had a brief period right after I went pro where I took about nine months off. And then I had a brief period in between my, uh, right in the middle of my pro career where I took about a year off. But outside of that, I've been pretty consistent ever since, man. It's just been something that 
that I feel is, is vitally necessary in my life um, to constantly check myself in, in, in as ridiculous as it sounds um, egotistical even, uh, but to check others, you know, like I'm constantly putting myself in a position where people can, can expose my vulnerability and my weaknesses. And I do it with pride. And I show people that on a daily basis that like, look, you can be tough and you can be a, a hard ass and a badass and take all the punches in the world, but you can also still be, be vulnerable and be sensitive and let people know that like, it's okay. And I do that by getting on the mats and being submitted and having people, you know, show me my holes and my weaknesses in my game and so on and so forth. Uh, I think it's a crucial part of growing and learning as a human being to always be, be, be learning and to understand that you're vulnerable and you can be hurt. Um, so I've taken that as like a personal mission, so to speak, where I'm constantly putting myself in a position, you know, to, to understand my, my holes, my vulnerability and my weaknesses, but I'm constantly trying to implore people to also do that to themselves because it helps them grow and develop mentally and physically. So from segue to me bullying bullies when I was younger to what I'm doing now and the, the advancement that I've kind of taken my career since then is I don't, I don't bully people anymore in the general term or the general scheme, but I certainly poke and prod people mentally as well as physically to try to get them to evolve and adapt in all manners. And some people might say it's bullying, but, uh, I personally disagree. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, dude. Awesome. Yeah. First of all, I was going to tell you, like you are like, like we get, we get people on the show. We get different. We've talked to different people. Like you can tell, like you're a fighter. Like you can see it in all your fights, you know, like, like, I just want to ask you the last time I asked you about it, like the difference, like when you leave the bare knuckle fight to the MMA fight, what's the, di like, I know your knuckles get banged up more. Is your, is there more, is it more like fate? Like, is it more facial? What's the difference, like the damages, like when you leave different like from bare knuckle to MMA? You know, I got to be honest with you. I think that the. OK, so I'll start with this. <sighs> I will say that you certainly get more long term physical damage from MMA. It's way easier to get cut in bare knuckle and it's way easier if you don't know what you're doing to break your hands and things like that in bare knuckle. But I would say that as far as like long-term pain or long-term injury or layoff, that's always come from MMA. I've actually had more hand injuries in MMA fights than I've had in bare knuckle fights. Cool. I've had more rib injuries, more tendon injuries. You know, I like the MMA game is much more physically taxing on the, the body as a whole because of what we do. You know, I mean, we're throwing kicks, we're throwing elbows, we're throwing knees, we're throwing to every portion of the body. We're cranking on joints. I'm tearing limbs. I'm tearing tendons, you know, like the level and the amount of damage that I can cause to you in an MMA fight is so much more varied and advanced that there you can't help but feel aches and pains all over your body for weeks afterward the bare knuckle game is a is different in the sense we're like you're gonna get cut there's no ifs ands or buts about it i don't think i've seen a single fight where somebody gets out clean you know and i've seen people go out and win well that's not true yuli diaz got that two second knockout he got out of that motherfucker clean, clean. you know but you know like outside of that like you're going to get cut and you're going to get bruised and your face is going to swell up and you're going to have that, that, that swelling and that superficial damage where you look like you've been in a fight, but it's going to, it's going to be gone. It's going to fade after a week or two, you know, as long as you ice properly and you take care of your hands, your hand, and you, you know, you throw punches properly and you didn't break your hands, you're going to be able to use your hands like normal, you know, and things are going to be fine within a week or two. You know, so to answer your question, man, I got to say that as far as superficial damage, as far as what looks worse, bare knuckle, 100%. The people come out of those fights looking like they've just been in the gnarliest fight of their lives. But I can tell you from firsthand experience and just from, from, from forefront knowledge of the sport that coming out of an MMA fight, 
your body feels so much worse for so much longer. Bro, I had a fight with Austin Tweedy six, seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. And I still have a knot in my fucking quad. Like, you know, like <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like, like I'm, and I'm not joking. I'm not being, I'm not trying to be comical or anything like that. Like, like I still feel aches and pains from, from, from that fight. And that was 15 minutes of, of we, we, we tried to kill each other that day, man, plain and simple. So, so yeah, to get back to the, the topic at hand, MMA, man, 100%, which get the fight, the, 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 the combat sport that gives me the most long-term damage and physical aches and pains after the fight, 100% is going to be MMA. Bare knuckle looks worse, but MMA fucking feels worse. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I just want to, I, uh, that's why I, I, I've seen, I've seen guys in different ones and I have friends uh, that's getting into bare knuckle and I asked them and they said, well, hell, we're just sparring with gloves. We really don't know yet. You know, like I was like, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. You know, and that's really the thing. And, and that's, I think that's the biggest thing that people, the biggest misconception coming into the sport, man, is because you see a lot of guys who talk big game. I don't know if you guys saw the the most recent pay-per-view with Paige Van Zant and Britton Hart, but everybody thought Britton was going to be just be a body for Paige. You know, that Paige was just supposed to come in and fucking dance around and run all over Britton. And it yep. was going to be Paige's night. You know, she's the one with the million dollar contract. She's the one with the name. She's the one that they're building the reputation and the fight off of. Everybody thought it was supposed to be Paige's night. Paige has never fought a bare knuckle fight before in her life. And Britt has been in there with the best. She's been in there with the top contenders yep. of that, of the sport that we have. She was in there with Beck. She was in there with Christina Foray. Um, you know, she, and she's, she had, a, I can't forget. Remember, I think Callie Cutler might've been the other girl that she fought. Callie Cutler has had boxing experience, you know, like she's been in there with these girls. She knows what it's like to get in a fight without gloves. And a lot of these people, you know, and not even, you know, excluding Paige people in general, myself included, you know, they, they spend their training camp sparring with, with boxing gloves or with 12 ounce boxing gloves, or even going as far as just using like the padded MMA gloves. And, you know, I do that. I use the, the, the eight ounce MMA gloves so I can throw punches, but it still feels like I don't really have a, a, anything on my hand. But the difference in protection, the variation in defenses, my range, you know, it's, it's there's three inch difference on, on that padding. Like everything changes when you take those gloves off, literally everything changes and nobody's prepared for it. Like honestly and truly, if unless you're spending a good amount in of time in training camp, just you and somebody else just throwing punches at each other and hoping not to cut each other with bare fists. Like you have no idea what you're getting into. And that even steps into like guys who came over from England, you know, like we saw, um, what the fuck was his name? The, good job. the, the El Tornado, the fuck, what was his name? Good John. Yes. You said, yeah, good yeah. Tyler, good John. He came over. Um, you know, but in Britain, in BKB, they wrap your hands. It's not bare knuckle. Like it's, it's not bare knuckle. Like it is here, you know, oh, you don't have gloves on, but there's gauze and there's tape on your hands. And then we saw him come in here and we, we saw him fight felony and felony, as we know, is not a great bare knuckle fighter, but he's got experience. And I thought felony won that fight. I thought felony fucking clinics. Good John, because he just didn't understand the game. He didn't understand the sport. So to get back you know, into the whole thing. Uh, yeah, man, I think the biggest variation and the biggest difference is, you know, like what people are saying is they don't know what, what to expect. They don't know what entails when it comes to this, to, to this fight. Cause nobody's done it before, man. It's such a new sport. It's so, it's so new that, you know, unless somebody has been in there and has the experience, they have no idea what to expect. And I think it really showed true when we saw Paige fight, Brit, because Paige has been on the big stage. She's fought for the UFC. She's fought in front of thousands of you know people before pay per view, so on and so forth. Like millions of people, even you know, she, you would think that the the experience factor would lay over, and it was obvious that it didn't because she had no idea what she was in for when she got there. A lot of people don't understand this game psychologically, you know, and I think that as a fighter and as somebody who well, to be honest with you, reads a lot of psychological literature. I have the ability to 
translate this sport intellectually, psychologically to, 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 to the layman, so to speak, you know, somebody who doesn't even follow it, I can break it down and I can explain the, the thought processes and, and the reasons behind what it is that we're doing. And I feel like that is an advantage that I have. And it's something that I'm trying to take, take more advantage of, you know, and, and leading into the future and things that I'm trying to kind of uh, uh, adapt. So thank you for, for noticing and, and, and seeing that, man, it means that the things that I'm working on are, are kind of helping out. So you're welcome. And thank you for noticing. Now you, I mean, talking about the damage and all, you know, getting beat up, but uh, what about recovery? You're talking to two guys that, I mean, obviously we don't, we're not fighters, but we beat our bodies up every day, you know, we're working manual labor. I'm a huge CBD guy. I know you are as mm-hmm. well. A um, couple sponsors in there as well. Are you mm-hmm. a big CBD guy or you do, you know, some of this new stuff like the cryo and any of that? You got any any other crazy recovery stuff or is it just rest? No, man, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. Whatever the typical normal stuff, old school. Yeah, man, you know, I'd say I'm pretty, pretty regular when it comes to my routines as far as recovery go. Um, I've never done a cryo chamber um, I've heard good things about it, but I've never done it. We've actually got a place, uh, here in Lawton. I'm sorry. It's not here in Lawton. It's out in Elgin, but, uh, we've got a place locally that helps our gym out, you know, and, 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 uh, so on and so forth, but I've never used them. I've, I've never worked for them. Um, not that I have anything against them. I just don't do it. You know, um, I take ice baths when I really need it. When my body's really fried out, I'll take ice baths, but, I'm not nearly as ritualistic with it as some people are, you know, some people, you know, you've got like, uh, you got like guys, like professional bodybuilders and stuff. They'll, they'll ice bath after every lift, you know, like I'm good on all that, bro. Like, I don't need that, you know, um, in a really tough camp, you know, maybe ice bath once a week. If it's a really, if it gets a really tough week, twice a week, um, I think ice baths are crucial. I think they are critical and necessary. So I'll do that every now and again. You just um, might be a <laughs> but you just buy like a shit ton of bags of ice, like you're having a fucking rager at the gas station, or honest, got- I mean, yeah, if you wanted to go hardcore, you could do that. Um, but you really don't need to, you know, like you don't need that much ice. Uh, and like whatever's in your freezer. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Honestly, man, that's what I'll do. Like if I'm, if, like I said, if I'm really feeling it, if I'm re- if I really need to shock my body and shock my system, um, you know, like say it's, it's week 10 of a workout cycle and I'm just, I've, I've got a two day recovery period coming up, coming ahead of me. And, and I really need to just shock my body into recovery mode. I will go get a 20 pound bag of ice and fill up my bathtub with cold water and throw the 20 pound bag of ice in there. And, and I'll sit in there for 20 minutes, you know, and then I'll take a, a warm shower to bring my core temperature back up so that, you know, I'm back to normal and then I'll call it a day. But, you know, if you don't want to go to that extent, if you don't want to bring your core temperature that low or bring the water that low, man, just fill the bath up with cold water. You know, especially if you've never done it before, if you've never taken an ice bath or even just like a cold shower in recent time um just filling a bathtub up with cold water and getting in there that's enough to shock your system now eventually you're you'll get used to that and you know you'll need to do you'll need to go colder so on and so forth um but honestly man what i'll do is i'll grab like a like i'll grab the tray of ice you know the the automatic tray of ice the you know bucket yeah. or whatever that's in the freezer grab that dump it in there you're good to go you really don't need a, a monstrous tub full of ice water it's it's not necessary um so, oh, you can do it it's, it's you're going to shock your system but you can do the same thing with you know a 10 pound bag of ice or an eight pound bag of ice as you would with a 20 pound bag okay. um but yeah i mean and then as far as cbd goes like i've got some cbd actually i've got them right here i've got CB two CBD creams here like that I use. Um, yeah, you know, I use the muscle rubs and stuff like that. As ridiculous as it sounds, man, and I I don't know why it is. I don't know if it's a a placebo effect or 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 what, but I have THC rubs that I use because Oklahoma's a medical state. Um so I go and I get, you know, my flower and then I go get my, my, my medical, my THC rubs. And I've got this one-to-one THC CBD rub. And dude, I put that on my knee after I, after I tore it. Like I said, I woke up the next day and couldn't walk. 
And I had that on my knee for two days with, you know, some ACE bandage, keeping everything nice and tight and whatnot. And on the third day I was back to like being able to at least walk normally, you know? Um, and there was really no pain, you know, like th that day I woke up, like I was in a lot of pain, just trying to pick my leg up, so on and so forth. And after a couple of days of that stuff, like the pain was gone, the mobility was basically back, but the strength essentially was, wasn't there. So for whatever reason, like I said, I like the CBD stuff. It, it works on minor aches and pains and stuff. But when I've got major joint stuff, I go to like the THC rubs. I go to the 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 real stuff, so to yeah, speak. The good stuff. That's Besides, what I'm talking about. You're, that's it. We got to move to Oklahoma. I was supposed to drive out to Texas uh, yesterday. Um, I was supposed to. A bit of insider information. I'll let you guys be the leak on this info. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I got invited to go out to to Texas to go train with Leonard Garcia. He's uh, he's fighting Joe Elmore for oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the main event for uh, the next BKFC card. Um, and I took Joe to a decision. So uh, he called me and he invited me out there to kind of help him out and make sure he's on the right path, so on and so forth for this fight. Um, so I was supposed to drive out to Texas yesterday uh, to, to go help him. Well, Texas and Oklahoma and everywhere else got nailed with this gnarly snowstorm and I couldn't make it through town, man. <laughs> like yeah. I could barely make it to the outskirts of town before I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it. I got to turn around and come back. This ain't going to work out. Um, yeah. I mean, the people just uh, aren't prepared down here. Like you're saying up there, they, they, they just shut everything down and it's very similar down here. I do want to add this. The defense style, I've noticed it more, you know, I'll watch Bare Knuckle, Bellator, UFC, whatever. If someone's fighting, I want to watch it. But I've noticed a lot of, like, the hand on the forehead defense. Like, is that more of a Bare Knuckle thing? Or have I just not picked up on it in UFC? Or is that something new? What What is that? Well, I'll tell you from a couple of different things. I guess I got a couple of different angles on that. First thing is uh, there is a, a boxing defense. There is a defensive style where you place your forearms in front of your face. And the reason being is because you're not fully blinding yourself. A lot of times what will happen is when guys are wearing boxing gloves or MMA gloves, they'll go here and they'll protect. And what happens when you've got gloves on is this get that gap in the middle between your wrists when you when you double pair your hands up there's a that gap is filled with gloves and you blind yourself so you can't and, and it's both of your hands so you're handcuffing yourself so essentially you're going here and you're really safe you're really protected but you can't counter and you can't see so what some people have developed and actually uh Anthony Johnson, Rumble Johnson is a great example of this. If you watch any of his fights, he stands right in front of guys. And when they throw, he puts his forearm right in front of his yeah. face. It's that way he can see those shots. They get deflected. They'll hit his hand and they'll go off to the side or whatever. But then he can see where his opponent is and he can find that counter shot. And then he'll do it with the other side. He'll put his forearm up so he can, he's defending, you know, because the gloves are small. So it's going to glance. It's going to go around his forearm if that punch comes straight in. And then he can come back with his counter. So there are guys that have developed that sort of style and that sort of defense, and it works. It is effective. Uh, Boss Rutten is another one. He used to put his hands up like vertical, his hands, you know, to his elbows. He put them up vertical and he parry side to side. And when people would throw their right hand, he'd cross it over with his left and then come back. Um, or when they throw their left hand, he'd cross it over with his right and come back. Um, so there have been variances and defenses um, and different styles and stuff like that that have utilized open hand striking, palm striking, no glove type of striking or small glove type of striking. For me personally, when I did it with Julian, I did it for two reasons. One, I was tired of getting jabbed in the fucking face. Uh, he just kept popping that jab forward and I couldn't get his timing down and his range down and my face hurt, man. Like my forehead just legitimately hurt. And there was a point, I think it was in the second or third or uh, the third or fourth round when uh, he hit me and I just growled at him. Like he popped that jab out there and I was just, I just fucking growled at him and grabbed my forehead. And the ref was like, are you all right? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. My fucking head hurts. But I was grabbing my forehead because in Florida, they make you wear this, like, it's basically like a beer koozie. You wear, actually, that's ah, fucking in the truck. Um, but it's like a beer koozie that you wrap around your hand. Um, and it's, it's like a thick neoprene pad. 
So I, with that and the tape and the gauze on the back of my hand, you know, I was using it for padding. Like you're going to punch my hand and it's protected. So I'm putting my hand up there. So like you're hitting that and not damaging my forehead any further. And then I can still kind of counter with the other hand, so on and so forth. So the, to go back to your question, for me personally, it was twofold. One, I didn't want to get hit anymore. And two, I knew that that style of defense was available and it was there. So it was what I was utilizing. Is it something that I try to utilize continuously? No, that's that doesn't really fit my fight style um, in my movement. I'm very, well, if you saw the Joe Elmore fight, I'm very fidgety. I throw a lot of feints and a lot of slips. And, you know, my hands are always, my hands and my head are always kind of moving side to side. And I'm always trying to catch and parry and so on and so forth. Um, so my style is a little bit different. It requires a lot of movement and a lot of feints and jittery motion. But like I touched on before, I went into that fight with the wrong game plan because Julian pissed me off at weigh-in. So I was trying to stand right in front of him and, and bang. If you have more of a planted style, more of a rooted style, like we're talking about with guys like Rumble, you know, who will just stand in front of you and kind of let you commit to shots so they can come in heavy, that that defensive style works out really well. That's the Tom style, right? What, uh, 19 pro fights, 14 performance bonuses? Is that still? Um, yeah, man. Made 20 pro fights, 14 20? or 15 performance bonuses. Yeah, man. I have a, so I'm 1-0 and in kickboxing. I'm 11-4 and in MMA. And I'm 1-3 uh, in bare knuckle. So, yeah, 20 pro fights total and 14 or 15 performance bonuses. Yeah, man, that's that's my fight style. That's what I like to do, bro. I go out there and I fight. You know, I uh, I tell people all the time that that's why that's why I have like that's that's why I have the accolades that I have because anybody who comes to watch Tom fight knows that like he might not win, but you're gonna see a fight. Like plain and simple, you know, win, lose, or draw, you will leave with a scar to remember me by. And there isn't a person on this planet that has come across me in a in a one-on-one -on -one conflict that hasn't had that experience. Win, lose, or draw, they will leave with scars. You know, that's my fight style. I come out to fight. I'm not trying to score points. I'm not trying to look good in the judge's eyes. I'm trying to hit you as many times as I possibly can before the ref pulls me off. So that's <laughs> That's my go-to. I'll, 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 I, next time we're in, we're gonna roll through Oklahoma, basically. I'm telling you, like we're we're Shit, fans. And like, oh, and like, and I told Jake, I, I told I told Jake, I told I told Jake, like we're I'm like said I asked for autographs and stuff. You know, like we roll through there and you're in their sparring. You know, can you know like the local ninjas like just jab me, give me a good jab around the face, set of my autograph. Just get, yeah, I, I, I feel like as a fan, you know, you know, if you can play one on one with Michael Jordan. If I'm a fan right. of a fighter, shouldn't they be able to beat you up? And like, you know, yeah. that's what I, would. I, can, I I can appreciate that for sure. Yeah. That's you want to have that, uh, that one-on-one -on -one experience. I, yeah. I just want you, I just want you, I just want to say the local ninja literally just knocked the shit out of me. And, and then I can, and then I'll have the scar for life. You know, I can say this is my autograph. I'm with it. I'm with it. No memorabilia doesn't want. Doesn't that's what I, that's what I'm looking for. I was going to fucking knock out. <laughs> Hey, boy, hey, hey, come on now. That's what that's what I was going to tell you. Like, like, that's why, you know, you get these other guys on the show, you know, you know, like literally I, that's, I think like we're fans and like Jake would love to see you just punch me. And then, you know, it, it, and it would just, it would, it would be like, it would be like, you know, like a fan moment, you know, you know, yeah, be, that's what absolutely. I'm saying. That's, that's what we're saying. That's a story you can tell for ages. Yeah. Wyatt Earp, the guy that looks like Wyatt Earp, the, the, the coolest mustache knocked me out. In, in the gym, that would my kids would just laugh at. Actually, my kids listen yeah, to the show man, here in Lawton. So, like one of the one of the cool things about Lawton is there's a lot of there's a lot of street art here, and there are artists all over town, and they essentially get paid to put art all over the buildings, all over the place. Um, and you see a lot of movie scenes all over. There's a lot of old like uh, movie theaters here and old drive-ins and stuff like that. So you cool. see a lot of like clips and scenes from movies painted all over the buildings. Well, there's this place not too far from here that has a, a big sunset mural of Tombstone and it's got Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and it just says, say when written down the side. So 
We can do it in front of that. We can lace up the gloves. We'll That's what I'm saying. Holy shit. We'll go live on Facebook. We'll go live on Facebook. Oh, my God. Jay. That's it. And then, I, no, you got to tell me. You got to look at me. You got to say, I'm your Huckleberry first. You got to say, I'm your Huckleberry. You got to go Tombstone. You got to go Tombstone straight. Well, you know, tombstone. you got to do it. Like, if blood's your game, I'm your Huckleberry. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, man. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, man, we can't wait for your next fight. Thanks. Man. Best interview we've ever had. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that, man. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate it. <laughs> Awesome, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Anytime you guys want me to come back, you just holler at me. I, oh, we will, man. Have a awesome. Lot of fun talking with you let, guys. let us know. Hey, let us know when you have another fight. Like when you get it planned, let us know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, awesome, uh, man. Yeah. Once I know, you guys will know. I assure you. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, sir. I'm on You're very well. Thank you. Uh, you have a good day. Thank you for listening to another episode of Inside the Minds of Fighting. Make sure to follow on socials for exclusive posts and upcoming guests.